This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Cents on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're tuned in to Ringgit and Cents, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Wee Boon. Buying your first car can be exciting. To some, it is a mark of adulthood and true freedom, while for others, a necessary purchase in order to go to work, commute around town without having to rely on anyone but yourself. But deciding what car to get is not easy. There's the type of car you want, the model, the color, the make, and of course, the cost. And we're not just talking about the purchase cost. There's a whole host of other costs with it, like maintenance, petrol, and others. So joining me to discuss this is Daniel Fernandez, the founder of the car portal, tsf.my, and a frequent guest of BFM's car show, Cruise Control. Good morning and welcome to the show, Daniel. So let's start off first. Let's start with the basics. Before if someone even decides to buy a car, what are the main considerations to have? Is there a checklist they should think about first before before they make the bold decision to actually buy a car? Um, yes, especially in Malaysia where cars are not cheap, even used cars are not cheap. It's all about available income and, and what kind of savings you have. Buying a car is a very big step, even if it's going to be a, you know, a $9,000 car or a $10,000 car, especially with the economy you know, struggling to recover right now, uncertainty in the global economy also. You know, there's a new variant of the, var- of the virus coming out. We don't know what's happening. But... But, and I say this, you know, with a big uh, reservation, if you have Bank of APA, then you should be having no problem buying a new car because that means your father is going to fund it for you. I know it sounds a little bit silly and a lot of people will probably debate me on this, but, you know, for a lot of young people, they don't have that kind of savings to go out and buy a car. The savings they have is to buy a handphone, go on holiday. Buying a car always starts with a little bit of funding coming from the parents. Okay, but when they finally decide to buy the car, outside of the price tag, the actual cost of the car, what are the other costs that they have to consider, like insurance, maintenance, and all that? Car insurance is a, it's a given thing. Road tax, and you know that's a formality which you have to buy. No choice. Uh, biggest issue will be maintenance. Now, if you buy a new car, there is no worry for the first year or so because um, your maintenance is covered. You know, uh, you got maybe one or two or three free service intervals. So a lot of people, generally the younger generation, uh, if they're not car savvy people, they'll say, just get a new car. And a lot of parents tend to think, I don't want my child to go through any headache. So I will get them a new car. I will, I will take out that initial money. So Bank of Appa and Bank of Mama comes along. Now, for me, I've got a, an older son who's just about to get his license. Now, I'm not going to buy him a new car. Let me tell you that, Okay. I'm not going to hand him one of my cars also because I love my cars. So I'm going to get him a second-hand car, but I'm going to get him a nice, decent, easy-to-maintain second-hand car. Why am I getting him a second-hand car? And I think this is important for a lot of young people today. You have to learn to maintain your car. Yes, even with a new car, when you start off, there is a maintenance schedule that is given by the manufacturer. But after that, you have to maintain the car. If you start off you know, being spoon-fed as such, you'll never learn about car ownership and you know, the ins and outs of what, what needs to be done. And a lot of young people today, you know, if you ask them about, hey, where to fix your laptop? They know. Where to fix your, your handphone? They know. Where to fix your car? Uh, I don't know. And it's not really their fault because, you know, in the last decade or so, you know, a lot of young people have come out of the small towns into the big city. So if they turn to their parents for their regular mechanic, it's in the small town. In the big city, they don't know anyone. So they have to turn to, you know, some stranger or, you know, they have to Google and see how many star ratings this workshop has got. Now, all those are not 
honest at all. I know because why? There are a lot of workshops that have got a five-star rating. And I know these workshops are scamming people 24-7. There is no law in Malaysia to check and balance on this because it's such a grey area. I think the first thing they need to do is, if they're buying a second-hand car, is you know look for a trusted mechanic. If you buy a second-hand car, you look around to you know the slightly older people in the office and say, hey, you've been, you've had, you've been driving for some time. Which mechanic do you go to? You learn from them. Or if you live in a condominium, you ask your neighbor or someone in the condominium who's slightly older. Now, why I'm saying slightly older? Because an older person would have held a car for a few years and they would know roughly who they can trust. Now, there are a lot of people in their 50s and 60s still today still being cheated by mechanics. I know because some of them are related to me. <laughs> they come to me and say, hey, can you help me out? That's because there are a lot of trusting people out there and they believe what the mechanic says. If you buy a second-hand car, you have to worry about things like, you know, um, a drivetrain, gearbox, air conditioner, compressor, fuel pump, you know, your alternator, your battery, your steering rack, your ECU, all this could be working perfectly fine at the point of purchase. And even if you brought a trusted mechanic, or even if you brought me along, I test all this roughly, I know, you know, I'm not a mechanic, but roughly I can tell. It's fine, but these are things which can just break down the next day. These are wear and tear items. So you must have some backup money. I always say this, if you're buying a used car, your backup money should be at least 10% of your cost of purchase. So if you bought a car for 10,000 ringgit, you need at least 1,000 ringgit backup money. If you bought a car for 20,000, you need 2,000. If you bought a second-hand car for 50,000, then you need 5,000. Some, some people say, why do I need to keep so much money? I said, you never know. You never know. If any of these things happen, you don't want your car to be stuck in the workshop and then you're calling Bank of Appa or Bank of Amat for a loan, or you're stretching your credit card. So car ownership is costly in Malaysia, and car ownership means having available cash. And also, you see, okay, let's let's say, let's come back to a new car. Bank of Appa gave you money, and you buy a brand new German car with run flat tires. Okay, now in the first year, when those tires are worn out, there's no warranty. Yeah? There's no after sales on tires. If you have to replace those tires, those tires cost about five hundred ringgit a tire starting from 500 ringgit. So four tires, that's 2,000 ringgit. Now, when you get a new car, like, like you know, some performance car with run flat tires, you're going to be going up and down some Nanjong, Malaysia, visiting your relatives, showing off to every ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend that you're driving a premium car. So what's going to happen? You're going to wear out those tires. You're going to wear out the brake pads. These are all consumables which you'll have to replace with cash in hand. That is why you need to have that little bit of savings in the backup. Let's move on to the actual cost of the car itself. So obviously, most of us won't be able to buy a car upfront with cash. And we'll talk about that a bit later. Most of us will be taking a car loan. But car loans come in different forms. Can you maybe briefly talk about like the car loans? How does it work and how does it split up? And maybe there's a bit of benefit between a short-term and a longer-term loan. I'll answer your last question first. Short-term and long-term loan. Actually, there's no difference. Because why? Interest rate on cars are fixed. Like in a house, it's variable, right? Okay, so you take a credit card, it's also variable. For example, if you get a new car, maybe, I'm just saying, to start off with, it might be 1.88% a year, okay? If you take a seven-year loan, for seven years, you're paying 1.88. Whether you settle a loan in three years or seven years, the interest rate remains. It's just that now, you're debt-free if you, if, you, if you finish up your loan earlier, which a lot of people should be doing instead of trying to stretch it for seven years. But a lot of people stretch it because why? They want to have more available cash in their pocket. A lot of people take it to the max, if possible, nine years. Now, that's great. You have available funds in your pocket. But if you decide to sell the car after three or four years, 
depending on the type of car model you have, you might end up still needing to top up the loan because the, the car is depreciated more than the loan to, to repay. You understand what I mean? So say now you borrowed 100,000 ringgit, okay? And after three years, you decided to sell the car and your, your finance, what you owe to the finance company says 65,000 ringgit. Meanwhile, your car is depreciated to 60,000 ringgit. So the difference between 60 and 65, you still have to top up the 5,000 ringgit. So this is where a lot of people get caught in the trap. So the best way to do it is keep your car until the warranty is about to run out. Now, if you've got a five-year warranty, most cars now come with a five-year warranty. I would suggest keep the car for at least four, four and a half years. The loan, if you can afford it, don't go more than five years. If you're taking a seven or nine-year loan, it's very obvious that you can't afford the car. And a lot of people like to take this, what they call step-up loan. Step-up loan means the car companies come up with this creative way of saying, okay, the first year, brother, you pay just 2,000 ringgit a month. Then the next year, we assume that your boss is going to give you a raise. So your loan amount goes up to 3,000 ringgit a month. The third year, boom, it goes to 5,000 ringgit a month. I'm talking about premium cars. Lah. So a lot of people think, hey, I've been driving a Japanese car and paying 1,900 a month. I can go to the German car, which is only 2,000 ringgit a month. It's extra 100 ringgit. But that is only for the first year because it's step-up financing. And the fact that you're paying less in the first, first two years means you have to cover it back in the third year. And when you get to the third year, oh my, I can't afford to pay 5000 What happens? Put the car up for sale. And then when they put up the car for sale, the depreciation has gone way down and they owe the bank so much, and then they're stuck in a rut. That is why you see on Facebook Marketplace, not a lot of two, three-year-old premium cars being sold. And what should a buyer be more careful about, especially in terms of like the bank loan, the car salesman? What should they watch out for? Okay, to start with, the banks conform, conform to, to Bank Negara. They, there's no wayang there. You know? The banks are very straightforward. This is my interest rate. This is the tenure. I need five documents from you. If it's all okay, if you're not on CITOS, if you don't have any outstanding big loans, I'll loan you the money. That is very straightforward. Now, the car dealers, they're earning a living. Like any salesman, the guy who sells you a, a dishwasher in, 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 a, in a convenience, in a, in a, in a superstore, uh, the guy who sells you tires in a tire store, the guy who sells you a wristwatch, they're all salespeople. But the difference is when you go to a car salesman, he knows that this is an expensive purchase. He knows that this is an emotional purchase. So what he does, he sweetens the deal. Because why? There's just so many options out there. There's so much advertising. There's so many things thrown at you to, to persuade you to buy a certain car. So what you do, you talk to the buyer in front. You say, hey, you know, I'll give you a free T-shirt. You know, this, this nice company T-shirt. There's a cap. You know, this cap is a premium cap. Uh, please don't look inside the label. I know it's made in China, but it's a, it's a premium cap. And then we got this beautiful golf umbrella. When it's raining, you can open it. But all that is fine. But then it comes to, you know, car coating. I give you the best, the best in the market. I give you tinted glass, the best. I say this, tell the car salesman or salesperson or whoever it is, thank you very much. I appreciate what you're doing. I don't want any free gifts. I want a cash discount. Free gifts do not pay your bills. That cap will end up going to, you know, your gardener's pocket. That T-shirt will end up, the, you know, sleeve being torn. The umbrella will open inside out. 
the car coating is the cheapest of the cheapest in the market because that's how they make their money. The tinted window that they give you is the same film that they use to wrap school books, you know, my children's school books. <laughs> so please don't go and get all these free gifts. Give me a cash discount. Will they though? Will they often, like after you've de- denied all this freebie and you ask for cash discount, how likely will the dealers usually give you a cash discount? And how much is this cash discount? The margins on cars are not huge, okay? The dealer margin is not huge, but it's all, you know, one after another, okay? They got, you know, quarterly margin, they got yearly margin. It depends when, when you go and buy a car. Like now, coming to the end of the year, best time to go and buy a car for heavy discounts. But your car becomes a one-year-older car in January. You get what I mean? So you have to you have to trade it off. If you're keeping the car for seven years, it really doesn't matter. If it's a brand new release model, it really doesn't matter. But if something that's already been in the market for two, three years, you might as well wait till January. But the cash discount, the, the quantum of it, end of the day, it's better for you to take and go, go outside and buy your own car coating, which you know is coming from a reputable applicator. Tinted glass, you get what you want with a factory warranty. I, I emphasize this factory warranty because there's so much cheap tint out there coming from big brands, big so-called brands with heavy advertising that is actually no better than your toilet paper. You know? Okay, we're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ring It and Sense. I'm Simwi Boon. Today's topic on the show is buying cars. Now, joining me to discuss this is Daniel Fernandez, the founder of the car portal DSF.my and a frequent guest of BFM's car show, Cruise Control. We were talking about things to consider before buying a car and what are the type of costs to look out for. But now, Daniel, I want to ask you, cash versus loan, which would be your recommendation? Simple, simple, you know, if you've got money, pay cash, you know, because why? In today's market, the interest rate in the banks are so low, you know. The FD rates are so low, you might as well just buy cash if you have cash, available cash, okay? Uh, not a lot of people have, but, you know, when they have Bank of Amma, maybe Bank of Amma can give you that cash. And then, for example, say now you want to buy a second-hand car for 20000 okay? If you're going to get a loan, you're probably paying 4 or 5% interest because it's a used car. Now, Bank of Amma might be having cash in the fixed deposit at 2%. You tell Bank of Amma, you give me that money, I pay you back every month, with the 2%. Then once in a while, if you forget to pay, no repossessor will come to you. <laughs> most, most of Bank of Amal say, come, like, have some dinner and talk. Like, you know? So that's good news. Number two, if you, if you really don't have a fallback plan, okay, and you don't have cash, of course, you have to go and get a loan. Now, getting a loan, please shop around because why? We have so many banks in Malaysia. Yes, all of them have relatively similar interest rates, but the difference between 0.5 and 0.1 and 0.2 makes a difference in your monthly installment, okay? Especially when you're buying a second-hand car. Now, the third thing is don't go to a credit company. Credit company interest is 8 9 10%. In, in the end, you're just paying too much interest and too much payments to a third party to own a car, which, you know, you when it depreciates, you're going to be angry because why? You've paid out so much money for this car. But if you've got no choice, I can't say much. For example, if, if my son wants a car tomorrow, I'm going to buy him a car cash. Because I'm going to buy him a used car. I'm not going to buy him an expensive car. Now, that car which I buy cash will be about 10, 12, 13,000 ringgit with the hope that he will learn how to maintain that car. And this is what I call a, a, a right of life, okay? I will teach him how to go to the mechanic. I'll show him, you know, my trusted mechanic. Okay, when anything is wrong, you go. Use your pocket money to get it sorted out. You know, uh, you learn how to wash the car. Don't go to a car wash because why? It's cheaper than, you know, gym membership. You learn to wash the car, you do some exercise, you know, you vacuum everything. 
And then you learn to go to the tire shop to get your tires rotated. You learn to service the car. You learn to maybe buy spare parts, you know, little things to save a few, few bucks here and there. If you go and buy your own spare parts and take it to the mechanic, like my mechanic is got no issue with that. He'll just charge you labor. So you learn, you get one with your car. And then maybe after two or three years, when you start working and you earn a little bit of money, you say, hey, you know, I think I want to move up the ladder because this guy is a bit already, la, no style, la, you know, I want to <laughs> go out and party, you know. So that car becomes the base for you to trade up. You get what I mean? So that $10,000, $12,000 car, maybe it's now worth five or 6000 So if you sell it, you get cash in hand. You can put a down payment for a better car. Maybe even a new car or maybe another better second-hand car because you've already learned the last two, three years how to maintain a second-hand car. Okay, so where do you lie in this debate between buying a new car? For a first time, for a first car owner, be it maybe a college student or I've just started my first job, right. where do you lie in the debate between buying a new car and a second-hand car? Okay, now, if you're still living with your parents and your parents are car owners and they've been car owners for some time, please get a second-hand car or the hand-me-down. It's better to start with a hand-me-down car if you're still living with your parents or still living within the vicinity of some family member. Why? Because then you know the ecosystem of maintaining the car. A trustworthy mechanic, a trustworthy body shop, a trustworthy tire shop. Because why? There is familiar people to share that information. But for example, say you came from Perlis to Kuala Lumpur to work at BFM and you don't really know anyone here. And your parent says, hey, you go there with a second-hand car and then once a month you want to ballet kampung going to be very difficult with the old car. Then the need for a new car comes into play. But of course, you must still afford it. But this is where a lot of parents start fearing for their child to be stranded along the highway with an old car, you know? So they say, never mind. We will keep our old car. We will buy them a new car. Now, I'm not saying don't buy your child a new car. If you can afford it, by all means, buy them a $500,000 car. The thing is, with a lot of young people, even it happened to me, you know, 40 years ago, it happened to me. When I got my first car, I had a few knocks and, and dings and, you know, all kinds of things here and there. Because why? When you're parking, you go into a shopping mall, you know, you, you hit the wall and then when you're reverse parking, last time, you no reverse sensor, <laughs> you know, you bang here and then you're riding, riding a motorcycle, come and hit your side view mirror. These are all issues that you happen in a, in a big city. So it all depends on what your situation is. Now, Buying a new car is great, but imagine if you get all these small dings if you're driving an old $10,000 car. You had a small little ding. You say, oh, okay, man, just take one tipex and cover it. Lah, you know? And then there's also about insurance, you know, NCB and claiming and making police report. This is all a, uh, the passage of you know, owning a car. Let's get down to the models then. What are the car models that you would recommend then? I mean, out there for starters, I think Yas around, in my view, will be always the most popular one. So maybe you can give some recommendation for new and old cars. Okay, starting with second-hand cars, okay? If you, okay, say for, for example, you Sim, you know, with your earning power, I would say if you're going to buy a second-hand car, get a BMW M3 or a Mercedes AMG or maybe a second-hand Porsche Cayman GT because, you know, you earn good money at BFM, you know, so... For you, it's not a problem. But say now an intern comes in, okay? Young intern, 20 years old, uh, second year university, you know, waiting to go into the next level. Then I think you have to look at something like a second and Perdua Maivi, which is below 20,000 ringgit. Or even better, I, I'm a big fan of the Perdua Kalisa. Even though it's an old car, it's small, it's compact, it's, it's so easy to maintain. The engine is so frugal. You know, parts are plentiful. 
And it's a four-seater, you know, comfortably four people can sit. It's got a decent aircon. Mm. Uh, if you want to go a little bit bigger, you say, oh, I need a boot. Okay, what about a first-generation Toyota Vios or a second-generation Toyota Vios? Pretty decent cars, quite modern. You have an airbag. The third, Nissan Lashio, still under 20,000. Hondas, you can't go wrong with Hondas. They look good. They perform well. They're a little bit sporty as well. But, you know, I'll think of more like, you know, earlier Civic or maybe even a CRV. The CRV today, the second generation is 20,000 ringgit. Some people say, okay, yes, I think I want an SUV for my child. Because, you know, especially parents who have daughters, you know, they're worried. They want something higher, taller, easier for them to see. You know, a second-hand Toyota RAV4 from 1996, it's less than 20,000 ringgit. A second-hand Hyundai Tucson, less than 20,000 ringgit. These are all SUVs. But these are 20, almost 30-year-old cars. I mean, how reliable can they be? There's a huge stigma against Korean cars, okay? We all know that. Mm. But actually, Korean car parts, like these older Korean car parts, they're actually cheaper than Japanese car parts. That's mm. number one. Potong Kreta, which is junkyard shops, carry a lot of these parts. They don't wear out as often as you think they would wear out. These older cars tend to be less problematic because there's less electronics. I'm not a fan of electronics. These things are complicated. These things run hot. These things need special lubricant. To start off with, how much fuel are you going to save? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless you're, you're, you're a salesperson running up and down the country. So get if you're getting an automatic, get a simple four-speed gearbox. The Myvi has a four-speed gearbox. The Vios has that. For a simple car to start off with, always go for cheap and cheerful what about a new car? What car would you suggest for a new car, for, but a first one is that's cost-friendly, uh, cost cost-efficient? Well, you see, new car is very difficult to see because why it's all down to what Amma and Appa want you to drive. Like, mm-hmm. you know? okay. like I've got a brother-in-law who bought his, his daughter. Her first car was a Toyota Vios, mm-hmm. brand new car. But you see, it's not that he's rich, but he wanted something trouble-free. She can go to college and come back. No issue. She likes to travel a little bit around Malaysia. You know, she can take her friends out. And that peace of mind, you know, mm. and the car comes with a tracking device. A lot of these factors affect different parents of different issues. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's down to your okay. preference at the end of the day. Yes. Okay. Then I've got another very good friend who wanted to buy a car for his son. He, he says the son is a little bit giddy. The son is not very observant. You know? <laughs> he's playing games, is very observant. He says, you know, bro, I need something that's really safe, really safe, really safe. I said, every car, new car today is safe. But he said, no, I, I think I need to get him a pickup truck. I said, pickup truck is too big. It's too much. I know you got money, but it's too big. So I said, why don't you get him an a, a SUV? Yeah. Your son is not a lumberjack, you know, <laughs> or, a, or an aircon service guy, you know, or a plumber. He's not going to carry barang. He's not going to be selling durians out of the back of his truck. So I advised him to go and get a brand new, small SUV. So got himself a Perdua Arus. Mm. Can't go wrong with it. $70,000. It's got safety features. It looks like a four-wheel drive. It's sitting up high, it, you know. Yep. So you, you, you have to look at all the factors that affect people in different ways. It's about what you want. But if to be truly cost efficient, a secondhand car is always the best way to go. Okay, lastly, I just want to touch on this. What about leasing? Is that an option available in Malaysia? Great question, Sim. Great question, which a lot of people are starting to go forward with. Okay, now leasing started here some years ago with uh, Renault. Renault in Malaysia decided... They wanted to do leasing. It was a project which was already running very well in Europe. But they said, are Malaysians ready? So when they first started, eh, not so good, you know? Actually, before that, maybe you can explain first to our listeners what exactly is leasing. Easiest way of explaining leasing is this. You're renting a car. It's just that you sign an agreement and the agreement has got so many points on it. When you rent a car, it's not long-term. But for example, rental agencies here have been doing long-term rentals for years because why? There was never a leasing culture in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, people think renting a car is one week, two weeks, one day, two day, three hours, four hours, whatever. But actually, if you pay, if you go to say like one of the big rental car companies and say, okay, uh, I'm an expat here, I need a car for say two years. I'm working here for two years, and you get a certain amount of funds from your company. You can you can work a deal. Say your budget is say two thousand a month. They say okay for two thousand a month, I think I can give you a Nissan Sunny or maybe a Ford Ranger, for example. Mm. And then you say no, I prefer the pickup truck, and then they sign an agreement with you. After two years, you give back the car, you fly off. Simple. Mm. That was how it's being done. It was being done for years. Now, when the word leasing came in, they said okay, now we we, we skew the the content a little bit, uh, the agreement, you know. We, we, we define certain things. So what is, what is leasing? Some companies will say, okay, wear and tear, you take part. You, 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 you are, you are, it's your responsibility. Like wiper blades, tires, okay? And uh, maybe the insurance, you have to add, you know, whether you've got all drivers or a single driver, for example. Then you got an expansion of this leasing because it became more popular. People realized, let's do the format of how Europeans do it. Very simple. I go in, I pay a fixed fee. Okay, say a fixed fee or say five thousand ringgit. Okay, this is more like a deposit, lah. Okay, I'm just giving you a ballpark figure, and then you pay say a monthly of one thousand eight hundred ringgit for this car. I don't have to worry about anything. I just have to worry about petrol. That means road tax, insurance, tires, servicing, brake pads, accident, everything. I don't have to worry. In fact, if I have a small accident, I just return the car to give me another equivalent vehicle, mm. not less, equivalent or more. Okay, now that is becoming the most popular option right now, and it's growing. So Renault started this; it's growing. Mercedes has it; it's called Agility Financing. Lexus has it; it's called uh, Kinko. They've just started it, and a few other car manufacturers are slowly bringing this in. Because why? The new generation of car buyers. There is no more um, excitement about owning a car. That whole car ownership excitement, which we had 35, 40 years ago, is slowly diminishing. They don't want any headache. They don't want yeah. to go to the workshop. You know, they lease a car. They don't even wash it. They wait for it to rain. You know, that kind of thing. So this is becoming very popular, and I think this is the way forward. At the moment, maybe it's one or two percent at the most now in our economy, but it's growing, and it'll be growing even bigger because why? A lot of companies will then say, "I don't need to give my managers big, expensive European cars." As a company car, I can give them a mileage. It's fine mm. because they're just getting to work and back. And then if I bring all these expats in, I don't need to give them a big car. Also, I just give them a basic car to go from A to B. Because why? It's just a means of transportation. So that whole idea of arriving in a nice car has slowly left our economy mm. for a certain amount of people, especially the young people. What is now more important is experiences. You know, mm. food, travel. I mean, of course, we can't leave our our borders yet. But you know, traveling now Malaysia, I can go whether I go in a fifty thousand dollar car or two hundred thousand dollar car. I still arrive in comfort, but I stay in a nice hotel. I eat yeah. a nice meal. You know, I I sip some nice beverage. I I have a beautiful view, and I play with my four thousand dollar smartphone. You know, that's what is going on right now. So I think leasing is going to come in in a very big way, and I've already seen a lot of even well-to-do people have decided that I don't want to own a car because. Depreciation is killing me. Workshop headache with the manufacturer. You know, sometimes you get all these complicated yeah. cars. Eh? It goes in, out, in, out, in, out. Meanwhile, eh, I'm taking, you know, taxi home. I'm taking ride heading home. But if leasing, I send the car back. Hey, brother, just give me another car. Yeah. They give you another key, sign a document, you walk away. You continue paying a monthly instalment. Mm. So no headache with the workshop. 
no headache with anything except going to the fuel station and putting fuel. Okay, that's very interesting. And that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to Daniel Fernandez, the founder of the car portal, DSF.my, and a frequent guest of BFM's Car Show, Cruise Control. Thank you very much for being on the show, Daniel. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. I'm Sim Boon signing off for the morning run. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.